This is F&I Talk Outside the Box with EFG Companies. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Motorist Assistance Plan, also called MAP. You'll learn more about how you can equip every customer with this valuable protection later in this episode. Hi, and welcome to F&I Talk Outside the Box. I'm your host, Victor de Blasi with EFG Companies, and today I'm having a conversation with our training managers, Anthony Oliveri and Dave Gibbs, and our Vice President of Agency Services, Ryan Musgrove. So let's start with a couple of introductions. Dave, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Victor. I appreciate that. I'm Dave Gibbs. I'm a training manager. Prior to coming on board the EFG team, I spent over 20 years in uh, retail automotive from selling cars like candy bars all the way through F&I and the sales desk and uh, GSM positions. Great to, great to have you, Dave. Thanks. And uh, Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Victor. Yeah, so uh, 17 years in the retail side. I'm one of the newer members to EFG, hired on as a training manager to uh, help conduct Road to Sell, F&I, and AFIB classes here. I'm also the most recent uh, at a retail, so I just jumped out in May of 2023 and started with, uh, with EFG back in June. So excited to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity to get some insight. Absolutely. That's fantastic, Anthony, for sure. And good morning, Ryan Musgrove. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at EFG. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me on. I am a vice president of our agency services team. I work with our agent partners across the country, and my job is to support them. I've been with EFG for 17 years. Wow. Unbelievable. That's fantastic. So, you know, it sounds like we got another century's worth of experience or so on this group. Outstanding. Well, today's topic, as you know, going to be talking about negative equity and its role in the market today, how we got here, and some advice, some ways to, to kind of deal with that. A couple of the things that I noticed just looking through an article, uh, I think Nerd Wallet, for example, just talking about average net equity being almost $5,500 in April 23, and that's up nearly 25% from you know just a year ago. So it's high and it's just really even you know, jumped recently. Things like delinquent loans, you know, over 90 days, those are running higher than they have in a decade. Obviously, interest rates are, are up. One article in Edmonds had uh, rising interest rates are, are driving the share of $1,000 per month or higher car payments to, to record levels, right? So we've got a lot of pressure. Ryan, what are you seeing in terms of in the dealerships or, or what you're hearing from your agents and, you know, how they're dealing with those kinds of things? Yeah. So struggle is real, but I would also add that it's cyclical like everything else. Being in the business as long as I have, everything is cyclical, everything turns around. But right now we are in the brunt of it. Obviously, the state of negative equity with consumer loans right now is being heavily driven by the pandemic and the post-pandemic issues that we're seeing. I mean, there's a lot of stats that are adding into this. The average of, I think you said $5,300, $5,400 of average negative equity, that's up 20% from 2019, 2020. But I also think that the delinquencies, increase in delinquencies has followed the pandemic programs that were out there that ended. So I think that contributed to it. But we're seeing uh, more negative equity. We're seeing a higher percentage of trade-ins with negative equity. A lot of those stats post-pandemic had to do with the lack of supply of vehicles, causing the prices of vehicles to skyrocket. And now they're starting to drop. I think all of that over time corrects itself being cyclical. But I think what <laughs> the stat that kind of concerns me the most is the number of thousand dollar payments, because I don't think it's sustainable. There, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But yeah, I mean, the, the struggle is real in the dealerships. I mean, all of those stats, these are what our F&I managers face every day. And it's, it's a, it's a struggle right now. Yeah. 
Dave, from your perspective, you know, what are some of the things you're seeing that can kind of maybe help deal with some of these challenges? Yeah, Victor, thank you. And Ryan, those were outstanding observations. That is something that I've seen uh, in the field when communicating with dealer principals and GMs on down through the ranks in the stores. And as a matter of fact, you know, for particularly this last quarter, we've had multiple large dealer groups reach out to us and ask for their assistance in getting back to the fundamentals of selling be it their desking managers being more involved in the deals earlier and salespeople doing a much better job of trying to land the customer on vehicles that kind of maximize value and what little there is from manufacturers regarding rebates, incentives, and factory-backed or cemented interest rates. And literally, it, it drove, I would say, 75% of our training in the second quarter of this year. So it's apparent that there is a lot of pressure, you know, on consumers driven by, as Ryan observed, falling equity positions in vehicles that were driven by high pricing. And it's required dealerships that that we've been in to really reassess their approach and maybe get back to some of the foundational selling skills, both in sales and F&I, that we executed so well prior to COVID. Because what we've seen, and, and Ryan, you alluded to it, is with the lack of inventory and with people cash flush, you know, after the pandemic hit, there was quite a drive for uh, cleaning out inventories. And then that fell flat as there was not a lot of cars available to consumers, but there's been rising inventory. And that's obviously applied downward pressure on everybody's trade values. Right. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, Dave. And, and Anthony, you know, you mentioned too, you were running F&I until fairly recently, right? And you, you did it through that pandemic period and you saw yourself, you know, these things that we're talking about and and here we are now, right? Kind of coming on an, another flavor of it. What are your thoughts on where these struggles are and, and how folks are trying to address them? Yeah. So most recently I was a, a pre-owned sales director and tasked with being in the market and trying to replenish my pre-owned inventory. We were kind of at the front end of seeing what exactly was happening to these pre-owned sales prices. And, you know, we were kind of victim of circumstance, right? We were, we were just kind of forced to spend a little bit more money than what we would typically feel comfortable spending just because of the lack of inventory that was out in the market. And, and so it was kind of a twofold uh, deal from the dealer and then, you know, transposing that to the consumer, which let's face it, just didn't put them in the in the best spot, you know, to purchase these particular vehicles. And then with climbing interest rates on top of that, anyone that spent any amount of time in retail knew that that was going to be a recipe for disaster at some point. But it's not the end all be all. What, what it does is it gives us an opportunity to have coaching and developing, just like, you know, Dave was mentioning, we've got to get back to consultative selling. We've got to get back to what's right for the customer. Because at the end of the day, if we're not doing the right things by them, we, we can't ensure that they're going to come back and do business with us in the future. And even worse, though, we might put them in a position where they can't, right? Where they just don't have the opportunity to come back to us in the future. And so I think right now we really need to slow down a little bit um, now that the selling frenzy is, has ended and get back to more of a consultative approach with our customers. Well, that's some excellent feedback. You've heard every objection in the book when selling a VSC. Just like Goldilocks and her porridge, your customers want that perfect fit. How can a perfect fit for them increase your dealership's bottom line by up to $1,800 per month? It's simple. With EFG's MAP, you can create a completely custom plan tailored exactly to the driving habits and budget of your customers. It's so easy to sell with condensed coverage levels, expanded surcharges and deductibles, and terms in 2,500 mile increments. 
Give your customers exactly what they want to increase customer satisfaction and product penetration. Sign up for MAP today and prepare to take your F&I profitability to the next level. Go to efgcompanies.com for more details. To try to bring it down a little bit, say I am an F&I manager at a mid-sized franchise dealership. How would you guys be able to sort of help us deal with the challenges we're having when it comes to negative equity coming in and trying to be as profitable as we can under these circumstances? I mean, Ryan, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. And this is something that we deal with right now on a weekly basis with our stores. It's challenging, but I think it all comes down to getting back to the basics and just understanding that you need to be calm and train your staff and be transparent with the customer. And I think from an F&I manager or desk manager standpoint right now, more than ever, we need to be educating our customers on the negative equity discussion. The last thing you want is someone coming in and not really understanding the impact that maybe being upside down or having negative equity can do to their loan or what challenges it can have on their current purchase. But being upfront, being educational with the customer prior to the purchase, prior to them going back to F&I is key. I think that from a training standpoint, we always talk about how F&I managers should spend time working with and training the, the salespeople upfront. They're the people that touch the customer the most. They should be spending time educating the salespeople on how to talk about negative equity, how to discuss it with the customer so that it's at the forefront of their minds and they're not getting hit in the face with it, you know, when they are trying to actually secure a loan. And in addition to that, part of getting back to basics is recommending different options to the customer. When we present numbers and, and the deals to the customer, and we need to offer them multiple ways to purchase their vehicle, including leasing, which is, in my opinion, a huge help in trying to curb some negative equity that customers are bringing in to their purchase. That's really some interesting points. Yeah. Dave, from your perspective, how would you kind of boil it down for the folks that come to your class? Yeah, um, those are great points, Victor. And I think Brian was hitting a lot of it very well. We had discussed earlier that, you know, we're seeing record numbers and percentages are growing of consumers driving away from the dealership with a $1,000 monthly payment. I believe it was June, the average vehicle sold in America was right at 50 grand and the average car payment was about $760. That's a lot of pressure on folks that are facing, you know, the increase in the consumer pricing index, food costs, gasoline, all of that. I think what that does, Victor, is it tasks the F&I managers in the dealership to take a little bit more time to really talk to the customer about their purchase and maybe their position. And that kind of goes along with the consumer education, you know, the rapport building and the consultative F&I process that you know we've endorsed here at EFG for decades. And when you've got a time like this, when there's an incredible amount of pressure on people's family budget, they're seeing their car insurance go up. You know, the cost of repairs have, have gone up significantly. And I think that's where the F&I manager, as they get to know more about the customer, are going to be able to tailor things such as a vehicle service contract you know, prevent against the, the high cost of a, you know, unpredictable repair to their vehicle. Add that to a $760 car payment, Victor, and you, you could be staring at a, a real ticking time bomb of financial pressure that could possibly be averted with a service contract. So I think it's going to be crucial, and I'm sure a lot of F&I managers have already uh, determined this, 
that they take the time to understand, you know, things about the customer, their lifestyle, you know, e- even have some financial uh, light discussions and prepare the customer and leverage that kind of value going into any type of F&I presentation. Wouldn't you agree on that, Anthony? What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. So just to kind of reiterate what Ryan and Dave have been saying, I mean, it, it really is an opportunity for us to have a consultive discussion with our customers. We can't be afraid as car folks to have uncomfortable conversations with our clientele. You know, we spent the last three years doing a lot of head nodding. We, we spent the last three years just, yep, we can do that, you know, sign here, press hard, right? And we didn't have to do a lot of consultive selling. Now we're in a market where, you know, we're going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations and how do we get the F&I managers engaged with the clients as early as possible so we can start that education process. So when they get back to the business office, they're set up for success. Um, and we have an opportunity to not only put them in the vehicle, that makes the most sense, but also offer protection coverages that won't put them out of budget, right? So how can we kind of twofold take care of both things? For myself, I I would much rather be making minor financial sacrifices now to avoid a major uh, financial sacrifice in the future, because that's the unknown variable, right? We just don't know what's going to happen moving into 2024 and even into 2025. So the leverage for the F&I managers, sales managers, and the sales consultants should always be thinking about that retention and how quickly can I get this client back? into the dealership. And we do that by having conversations with the customers that, you know, sometimes aren't comfortable. So educating themselves and educating the customers, get everybody on the same side. May I add one point to what Anthony was discussing, Victor? Yeah, sure. Basically educating the customer to perhaps dig a little deeper if possible now, you know, add a little bit of cash down to help themselves with some of that negative equity. And definitely besides the VSC that I was discussing a while ago, you know, with uh, guaranteed asset protection with GAP, you know, that's almost a must as we're seeing. Wouldn't you agree? I think you saw that as, you know, the loan to values continue to go up, the delinquency rates are, are climbing. And if something wants to happen to that vehicle and it was total, how would it be possible for them to get out of a, a total loss? You know you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's really important that we discuss some uh, financial needs for the customer. And, and, you know, it's not always easy asking customers to put more money down. A lot of times they've come in with a budget in mind. They know how much money they can spend or they would like to spend. But are we even taking the time to have that conversation is, is the question. Are we even taking the time to discuss what putting a little bit more money down could mean to the terms that they're having with the bank that they're choosing? Is it, is it an yeah. opportunity for us to put them in a better buying position so that way in the future they can be in a better selling position? You know, with terms stretching out, payments being at all-time high, interest rates being at an all-time high, a volatile market that we're not really sure what's happening with values, protections like debt cancellation or, or guaranteed asset protection are more crucial now than, than they've ever been because it's going to help protect the consumer from those unknown variables. Yeah, this is that moment where you know, our knowledge of our lenders that particularly enjoy maybe a, a very stable customer customer with, you know, with decent income, knowing who those lenders are that will advance more, you know, a higher loan to value would be crucial at this time, as well as going along with the education of the customer, knowing the lenders and how to really take a moment or two before they send that deal out for an approval. But there's got to be some specialized uh, lenders out there that we can focus on and, and develop more of a relationship with that can help us get some of this assistance to 
to the consumer that's coming in with higher LTVs. Yeah, Dave, definitely. I mean, you, you definitely need to know your audience. You need to have an idea of where you're going to send that paper before you start clicking buttons. If, if anyone's been in the business and remembers 2008, 2009, 2010, a lot of the lending institutions really tightened up. And, and even those tier one clients that were used to getting a, an automatic approval started seeing stipulations for like proof of income, proof of residency, and some things that you weren't necessarily used to seeing based on those credit tiers. But who's really taking the big risk here? It's the lending institutions. And so as they begin to tighten up, it's only in our best interest that we know exactly what those limitations are and how we can best serve not only the client, uh, the dealer that we're working for, but also the lending institution that we're helping represent. And I think too, understanding and having a good grasp of who we're working with from a lender standpoint is, is critical. And one of the articles that we were discussing earlier talked about some mid-range lenders. I don't necessarily know if we have a lack of lenders in general at the store level. I think that what we need to do is really look at who our lenders are, where we're sending the business. You know, when you get into some of the big box lenders, the bigger you get, the more conglomerate you get, the stricter and less flexible their, their rules are going to be. A lot of F&I managers may have more success with local lenders, mid-range lenders, as opposed to some of these big box lenders as well. And it's tough because they're comfortable with those, right? They know their programs, their auto approvals are quick, but a lot of the times it may not be an issue of not having enough lenders, but really having the, the right lenders. In addition to that, if I could add one more thing, you know, we pride ourselves, and Anthony, you mentioned this, we pride ourselves with having the tough conversations in our business. We train our F&I managers to have tough conversations. And when I say tough, I just mean honest, transparent, upfront. And we need to be doing that with our customers. With the days of $1,000 payments and the increase of interest rates and the increase of the price of vehicles, we're going to have to look at longer terms. Is that the best option for the customer financially long-term? Who knows? But what we need to do is when we talk to these customers about putting more cash down, we need to talk about the positive impacts that's going to have from helping out from a negative equity standpoint, but also some of the negatives that's going to have to their budget. We need to talk about if we're going to do longer terms, why that's beneficial to them to be able to get a payment to where it's going to fit into their budget and they can actually purchase the vehicle. But we also need to be upfront and talk with them about how a long term on, a, on an auto loan is, is not the best financial decision that you can make. It may be right now and they can look at other options down the road, but we need to have an upfront conversation with them about this is why it's an option right now. Here are some negative consequences to doing that as well. So we just need to be upfront and transparent. Brian, that's a great point. And I know this is more geared towards F&I, but one question that comes to my mind is, are, are we on the right car. That's a tough conversation to have somebody if you're having to car them down. If they're trading in something that's pretty well equipped, but the next one that they're looking at or the one that they're wanting to make a lateral move doesn't really make sense. You know, from a budget standpoint, are we taking the time to explain why we need to car them down into something a little bit different? Because in the long run, it's going to put them in a better position and maybe they don't have to go 84 months to finance this particular loan. Maybe they can stick at that 66 or that 72. So we can continue that three and a half to four year trade cycle. What we don't want to do is continue to pander to the customer's wants, and we need to start really focusing on the customer's needs and, and exactly what it is that they're trying to accomplish when they come into our stores and be that advisor to help move that process along. And we just came off for a, a two-year period too, Anthony, where we were very much in the want-based business. Consumers were able to afford what they want, if they could find it, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now we need to get back to let's focus on the needs of the customer. That's going to be more important going forward. 
I agree. And, you know, guys, th- those are great points. And where does that begin? Well, it b- begins up front with our sales associates, right? Them taking the time to understand the goals of the customer, their core needs and buying motives, and working closer, uh, you know, with the sales managers and assistants up front and not, you know, not waiting until that customer is frustrated and in the business office. So we're really uh, looking and, and recommending for a more collaborative effort early on in the sales process that sets up the F&I department to, again, tailor, you know, a financial package that is based on needs of the customer and could provide them additional financial protection in the event that, they, you know, they run into a repair or a total loss. So definitely starts in the front. It's got to go all the way throughout the entire sales process and finish up an F&I, guys. Right. Well, this has been an excellent discussion. Just to kind of wrap things up, let's talk negative equity best practices and just get some final thoughts from each of you. Yeah. Final thoughts again, and not to reiterate a couple of the things that I've discussed earlier, but I think it's imperative is for everybody to take a breath and relax and just do what you've trained you know, your whole life in the car business to do, which is sell to the customer's needs, be transparent, be educational with the customer and train your sales team on how to have that generic discussion with the customer, training the F&I managers on how to push the right F&I products. Excellent. Thank you for that, Ryan. Dave, what are your thoughts on that? Ryan's points were just nail on the head, right? And my recommendations to dealers, if they're not as engaged as what they could be, that would be my focus. So I think that requires the sales managers up front to be involved early, to hold salespeople accountable to having a, a needs-based discussion so that the consumer can trust that sales associate to guide them through that process and, and be able to make an educated handoff to the F&I department. Great points, Dave. Thank you for that. Anthony, your thoughts? Yes. Let's just put some exclamation points on what Ryan had to say and what Dave had to say. Process, 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 process. What are we doing right now? How are we looking at the current process that we have in place? Where are some of the kinks in the chain? Where are some of the holes? And look, if y'all need help establishing a process or what's going on right now isn't working and we need to try something a little bit different, let's get EFG in there and do an analysis based on what's currently going on. And then let's offer up some different training and some different ways to attack and approach what's happening in our market to better serve our clients. Fantastic. Well, thank you. This has been a really great discussion. Hopefully folks will find some helpful tips and information in here so they can have positive results for their customers and their business. Well, thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to F&I Talk Outside the Box. If you want to get in touch with us to let us know how we impacted your business or to ask questions for us to answer on the podcast, don't hesitate to email us at trainingservices at efgusa.com. We'd love to hear from you. Production.